0: All right, guys, welcome back to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. This is your host, Byron Horton, and I have a a pretty cool guest, a guy I've been following for a while, and uh, now I actually talk shop with him. We talk mobile hunting, tactics. He helped me with some mock scrape questions I had the other day, and uh, that would be none other from Dan from Pennsylvania, part of the Tyneman Group. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You're a guy that, that, like... I'd like to have on the show is as, as kind of a guy doing similar stuff, a uh, little different state, uh, but but I know from just the couple conversations you got you and I have had, we we got a lot in common.
1: Yeah, that's for sure.
0: Um, I guess kind of like looking at why I wanted to have you on is is I look at what you're doing, and I know you've run some trail cams. It's trail cam season. And I really wanted to focus a little bit on that. And obviously we're going to get into some hunting, some deer, some deer talks, some, some tactics, some strategies, but first and foremost, uh, uh, one, let's let the people know where can they find you? Where can they see some of your stuff? You've had some really cool uh, little clips and, and stories out there that I've seen roll out over the last couple of months.
1: Yeah. So, uh, we do a little bit on carbon TV, um, the timing and, and, uh, obviously we have youtube um we do facebook instagram and uh i mean that's that's where you can find us there's a lot of people follow me personally as well and um i do a little bit of snippets on my own personal you know social media pages so i guess you can find me on there as well
0: yeah like i think recently you had a youtube video on the time in about oh, some trail cam tactics um, you also had that one really cool, like slow-mo shot. Uh, I think it was maybe a st- uh, shot Stacy shot or whatever, but you shot it, I think in 120 frames and it's a really yep. good slow shot. And and I've seen you post that out there a few places in social. It's pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, man. Um, and I don't know if, if you even want to get into it on this, this specific podcast, but that particular deer, that was a public land deer. And, um, I actually am going to be switching my broadhead selection and my arrow selection as well. Um, i built some new arrows just based off, uh, what happened on that specific shot. Um, so it was a good, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, man, but every everything that happens, whether it's a success or a failure, um, I'm learning from, and, and, uh, it, everything, <laughs> it does not matter if I'm walking, walking in the woods or, uh, uh, You know, going and tracking a deer to to even butchering it, I'm I'm all about the learning experience.
0: So so I guess before we dive into trail cams, this this shot, this 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 now arrow build, what what happened? Give me a a five minute rundown on this. Well, I I'm not gonna say anything bad about the the brand of
1: mechanicals that we were shooting in that instance. Um, I'll tell you, it's sever sever broadheads, and honestly, um, Stacy shot that big giant ohio buck this year or last year with it um my boy shot a real nice good pope and young pennsylvania buck um drove it right through his front shoulder actually and went you know exited gut um and and that was a shot that I I was sitting with him on and I I told him to take the shot because it was literally like 6 yards and the buck had looked up he saw us in the double stand that we were in um that was a pre-hung set so now those broadheads was kind of what we all were shooting, and <clears throat> Stacy had shot that public land buck he was quartering two, it hit the shoulder, and what happened is it actually planed um down it it, it probably if it would have been just another inch or two out his side it it would have probably zippered his side wide open, but okay. it did clip um one lung liver and it, it exited gut obviously. Um it didn't exit though. I it didn't have a pass through. Now I said that was a dead deer all day long. And if you watch that video on the channel which you said you had, um yeah. it is it's slow motion. It looks like a great shot. And honestly, um even when it should, the deer's running away, you can see that arrow coming out in, out and in. Um and can't you see a lot
0: of blood from what I kind of remember?
1: Oh yeah, he was bleeding. Boy, he was leaking. But um i just i guess I guess my my whole concept with those sever heads that i I loved and um why I decided to try those this past year was because they have a uh say this is the broad head here, okay, and I know this is a terrible picture, but it's made to pivot mm-hmm. um, on contact with bone um and I like that because the head is still driving now <clears throat> i've had some bad luck in the past you know few years with some uh fixed blades. And it, it's it's honestly my fault that I had that bad luck. So I was looking for something with a little more cut, mm-hmm. that might be a little more forgiving, um, and and that's why I moved to these heads. So I think that as far as the mechanicals go, uh, if I were to shoot one this coming year, I'd, I'd be shooting those sever heads because it did pass the test. However, I'm a I'm I'm not like anal, I guess is the word. I'm anal about you know my setup and and everything I do um and i did see a flaw in that and and i do believe if i'm shooting a cut on contact you know possibly single bevel broadhead that it possibly would pass right through that shoulder and i'm sure you've been in the same boat i've passed up plenty of deer um big big deer um that were either quartering to um head on and by all means i don't believe anybody should be taking those types of shots uh unless you are very confident in what you're doing um, but if I have a deer at five yards staring at me, I don't want to have any ands, ifs or buts, especially on public, you know, dang well as I do, how, um, you spend all year preparing for that. You might only get one chance. And honestly, I didn't even have a chance at anything four years old or better last year. And I, you know, you know how hard I, how hard I hit it. Um, yeah. but if, if that, if that opportunity does come, I don't want to miss out on a chance, you know, to be able to. I guess have less worry of a pass through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, where have you ended up as far as, uh, what, what broadhead and arrow setup did, did you kind of land on?
1: Well, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of going between iron will, uh, cutthroats and Magnus right now. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, the stinger buzz cut. Okay. And, you know, I'm not honestly sure what I'm going to use. I don't want to be, st- spending the money on the iron wheels. Um, I like that they are solid broadheads or they are sharp and they stay sharp. Um, but I like the price tag on those Magnus heads too. And, um, I, I'm going to do a little bit of, um, probably just testing. I haven't, I haven't done any testing with the broadheads much yet, other than, other than reading reviews and and so on and so forth. But I'm honestly, I'm going to still carry a sever head, um, at least one in my quiver and, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to honestly have in there, especially like the game lands I hunt. Um, those are, I'm, it's usually clear cuts that I'm hunting in the game lands. So, you know, I'll probably have that, that fixed head on. And when I hunt Ohio now, I, I very well may throw, you know, that mechanical on because I'd like to have the, the chance for, you know, taking out more, um, uh uh, vitals then you know obviously an inch cut is half of what the 2.1s are so kind of double-edged sword there
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no and um oh I've heard Aaron Snyder talk about he'll carry uh uh, a mechanical in his compound quiver because he'll bounce back and forth and as far as like me I um oh 20 was it 2018 I think was kind of my first heavier uh cut on contact setup or whatever and uh part of that was I found myself hunting uh lower and uh if you you know I I find myself sometimes these deer are uh my second best day hunting this year I had three bucks inside of 20 yards and I was literally one stick off the ground and uh (laughs) you know I was gonna I was I was I was set to to shoot these deer as they were looking into the tree and like what is this guy doing one stick high like you can watch it, it's, it's some snow footage from this year's film, but, like, these deer are looking at me as their, like, vitals are fully exposed. Um, yeah, I've seen and, that. Yeah, I had to jump on them. Um, I actually double-punched the record button that day on, like, a, a 120 that went from 25 to 16, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, like, same kind of thing, though. I could have shot him because I saw him at 25, and he'd be, like, in the brush, and I could have got the draw, I felt, um, but yeah, I, I, um, I shot the, the Magnus Black Hornet, um, which is like, a oh, it's a, a cut on contact and it's got two bleeders. It's a little bit thicker blades. Um, I, I had good luck with them. I know the, um, uh, Magnus in general is spoke about very highly by Ranch Ferry. I, for, for a budget head, I, I, I kind of see a lot of good there. Um, I shoot a very similar head to the Ironwell. I shoot the, um, Day6, uh, Evo. Which is I've heard a lot of good about that too. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I testing them side by side. I could we could hear the dis dis the difference, Jesus, um, between the vented head on the uh the Magnus and then the, the solid head of the day six Evo. Now, me and what Greg did, up, go ahead. Did, what what did you find with that? I'm I'm interested to hear which um, one was louder. As far as, like, sound, you could just hear the difference in flight. Now, that being said, though, like, I got to believe when you put vented heads at 40, 50 yards, you could probably see a difference in flight. Okay. Um, and, and, and keep in mind, I don't sit there and I don't shoot 3D anymore. I don't shoot all that much anymore. So, 20, yeah. 30 yards with my skill set, I probably wouldn't see a difference versus mm-hmm. – um, if I was shooting maybe 40, 50, uh, you know, I think, you know, you might be able to see some differences there. Uh, I've, I've, you know, between the solid and vented. I, I, I'm i not, I wouldn't not, you know, I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to sit here and tell a guy not to shoot a solid head or not to shoot a vented head. I, I could hear the difference, yes, but I could see where both are good good options.
1: Right, right. I'm with you.
0: So let's, let, hey, let's bounce. Let's make a, a, a transition here to the, the topic of the day and trail cams. And yeah. maybe a good place to start is, um, one, how many trail cams are you running on? on? Are you spreading them out through three or four public pieces? Let's, I'm just going to kind of walk and bounce some questions over how you're running these. And we're eventually going to get into season. But I think I want to set this up with some elementary type questions. Like, how many cams are you running? When do you start getting them out? Um, you know, what kind of quality of cams? As far as you know, do you do you put some of your better ones? I know you run the Exodus, and then do you put maybe some of the Treks, which is more of a mid-level camera? What's your arsenal look like? So, so a couple of these elementary things to set the stage here.
1: Yeah. So, I guess I guess where we we probably should start is is you know I've we talk about the progression of the bow hunter, the progression of the hunter in general. And, um, I've, I've been through the process and, and I'm, I'm still going through that process. Um, now I started running trail cameras, you know, I can't give you an, an amount of years ago, but it was back when, you know, you take the film in to the store to have it, you know, we have giant Eagles around here. I'm not sure what everybody, you know, what their normal stores are, but, you take your, your film in and they, they send you back or you go back in, pick them up and they give you I I don't know, what is it? An eight by four picture, you know, um, and you go through them. Now I, uh, if, if we're talking, you know, current, what I'm doing, I, I've got quite the arsenal of cameras. I, I have a mix between lift twos, um, the original lift cameras, which are by far my favorite as far as beast cameras and just zero issues whatsoever great battery life um and i have uh the uh, um trex and i've got one render right now i'll be getting another probably another render or two this year and um i used to run you know some of the cheaper tascos i used to run you know wild game um the cheaper basically whatever was on sale kind of deal and uh i found in that you know my my sd cards I was having a lot of trouble with my SD cards because they run in different formats and I couldn't keep them straight. So keep a long story short. Um, I, I actually switched over to 100% Exodus cameras and you know, the, the majority of that is because they stand behind their products. I just don't have any issues with them. Um, I think like the the bulk of my issues has been, you know, my own dang fault for, you know, having a pull in the uh, camera, or I'm sorry, the uh, battery slot out. And then um, I've had some gaskets come out and I think that's probably, you know, normal wear and tear, but they, they do what I ask of them and I don't have to question whether I go pull the camera, um, you know, a month from now or two weeks from now or two days from now, you know, that it, that had been taking pictures that, you know, that amount of time.
0: Yeah. So, I guess Um, if we, if we took Exodus uh, out out of the picture, do you feel like you described there like a higher end camera and then like a mid-level camera as far as a split or or if you were investing dollars, say a guy's got a couple hundred dollars set aside, he's going to buy three or four cameras. Do you think uh, as a public land hunter, should he maybe get more eyes out there and, and maybe buy like a second tier, like almost like a Trek style camera, you know, something, uh, is, is something between 70 and $110 and get a few of those out there? Or is he better off to buy like a bunch of tasks? Cause I have heard, uh, one of the PA guys that was recently on Exodus talk about, dude, I just, I need to just scatter the woods and, and find it. Um, and then obviously <laughs> if you find something, I got to think you're putting your higher end, your, your lifts in there. Talk to me a little bit about is if, if, you know, for guys that maybe are going to invest a couple hundred dollars here over the summer, how you might look at at what you budget and how you strategically buy?
1: Yeah, man. So uh, I would, I would recommend, you know, probably going lower end on the camera um, as far as having more eyes out there. Okay. But here's public land. Uh, I didn't have a single camera stolen last year or the year before that. I don't think the year before that even. Um, and and why I believe that is, is I got kind of smarter with how I'm setting them and where I'm setting them. Um, you know, I'm doing more elevated sets now and, and there is not a single camera out there that is not locked. Now, what I like about the Exodus cameras is that, um, you know, I used to go out and check, say, a, a, a wild game innovation. And if it was still there or you know, if it even took pictures, sometimes I couldn't lock certain doors on them and they'd pull the SD cards right out of them. So it's that's almost worse than walking up, you know, on the camera not being there because you're thinking, man, this guy, now this guy, you know, he knows exactly what's in here, what, you know, and and in many cases, you know, I already knew what was in that area and I'm just monitoring. Um, but I would tell I would tell people for every single camera that you have, you need at least one lock and um, you know, that could be a master lock. I I like that. um, You know, I can lock the camera around the tree and then I run the uh, cable through the, the actual door opening slot. So in doing so um, I've not had any, you know, lost trail camera cards or, or, or stolen anyways, or, or trail cameras taken either. So, that would be my recommendation. Um, as far as, you know, I, the the public lands I'm hunting the big ground, I, my my renders don't work, nor do any other cell phone service. You know, there's no no service on the big tracks, especially like out in the Allegheny National Forest. That's that's where the yeah. bulk of my Pennsylvania, you know, big woods hunting has been um, is the Allegheny National Forest. And, you know, just last year I I solely hunted um, Erie County here is where I live now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's my own personal uh, progression that I, I want to challenge myself. Cause you know, I, I've hunted, I feel like you could probably relate to this um, when you hunt any block of woods for, I believe it takes a good three to four years before you really, really are confident. I'm not saying that you can't go out there and kill deer in your first year or first two years or, you know, even so on and so forth. And, but I do believe that, you know, I got to a point in the Allegheny national forest where I knew where to be and when to be. And I didn't feel like I was challenging myself, nor did I feel like I had to go out and scout. And I, I, I love that process. I genuinely, I, 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 would say that I, I enjoyed, you know, finding them and locating and, and running the trail cameras and scouting for those bucks more so than actually putting an arrow through them, and I, I don't. I, I mean, a lot of people aren't going to agree with me on that, but but I do. I feel that way.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I know my buddy Dave. He uh, he feels the same way. He really enjoys just scouting and, uh-huh. and walking with his dog through the timber in the off season and kind of figuring stuff out. He uh, he has said that multiple times to me that you know I kind of like scouting almost more than hunting. It's a, you know it's, it's it's
2: yeah
0: it's an enjoyable part of the process
2: yeah it is um,
0: as far as getting back to the 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 elevated sets you you, you gotta lock them um i have thought about for like the budget friendly option and, and there's one reason i have not gone to this but like you know at lowe's home depot you can buy like you know oh god uh FUTSA, sorry about that i got one of these alerts um but you can <laughs> buy one of those like Oh, where you can go to the section where they've got cable and rope and chains and you can cut like say two or three foot a cable. Um, yeah, and then you could take one of those clasps that you can tighten with like a pair of pliers and yeah, yeah. you can make a, a makeshift lock for almost under a dollar. Cause I, I've actually, I've locked stuff in the back of my truck yeah. doing that now the, the I guess the bad part is one, if somebody happens to have a pair of pliers, they can get into it pretty easily. Um, but you, then also, if you go to check your trail cams, you got to remember, oh, I need some sort of needle-nose pliers to undo yeah. the clasps. And, and I could see you walking back there, and, and you know, especially the first couple times, you forget your needle-nose pliers or your uh, oh, Leatherman-style tool that allows you to get into those. But I have really contemplated, after last year, we had a couple of elevated sets get stolen, that, you know, if somebody looked up there and at least saw there was some cabling, like, oh you know, locks kind of keep honest people honest. If somebody really wants that camera, they'll probably come back with bolt cutters, you know?
1: Right. Agreed. Agreed. Now for your elevated sets, how are you mounting them to the tree? I carry around, uh, two by fours that I cut at a, a 33 degree angle is what I have, um, seems to be, you know, the right angle to have that camera mounted to a flat surface here. And then it points it down, um, that that seems to work pretty good. I just I carry a backpack with me filled with the cameras, batteries and you know, yeah. all that jazz and I just throw it in there.
0: So I, I <coughs> made the investment. I actually just released a YouTube video on some of the um oh the elevated mounting options as far as for cameras. Um Hawk, stick and pick, and HME all have options out there. The the budget friendly option is the HME that you can pick up like on Camo Fire in like three packs for like nine-ish dollars. So it's like three dollars amount, maybe. Um, sometimes though, like, I think if you go to Amazon right now, it's like $9 a mount. So, so, I mean, they, they aren't cheap. The, the Hawk on Amazon's like 17 bucks right now per mount, but you can find them on Camo Fire for nine, but that's like, that's the option I almost would steer people against. I think it, if you watch my video, you can kind of see where I feel like that mountain is close, but not there. And then, yeah, I'll little, check it out. It, yeah. The stick and picks are the, the Cadillac, like they're the best made and they like, they, they 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 mount to the tree so much better as far as the uh, it's just better materials the, the the screw piece that drives in is, is nice and sharp um, easy ease of use but yeah I've been using those for for oh four or five years whenever I started putting trail cams out I, I and, and I think part of the reason the cams got stolen where they did last year being elevated I take um, I take a, a small mini stick in and um, I really like doing the mini stick and. I, sometimes I yeah. think a, a double stick is a little better because it's got that flat surface at the top. So you can get both feet up there. Um, yep. And then, um, I'll shoot, where was I going with this? But, but i the cams that got stolen one, there, there were some good bucks in there. And I think maybe some people knew that too. Um, on both those cameras, there were some, some higher elevated public land bucks. Um, yeah. and then, I think I might've got a little lazy and not, not really stretching that one stick high. Maybe I just put it on the tree and scurried up there. And and so when you walk away, maybe it's eight foot versus um, say, say 10 or 12 foot. And then I think it's easier for guys to shimmy up there on like smaller fire, like, like, Oh, almost like a fire hose or a softball size round tree where it's not, it's not a big tree that I've got a bear hug to like climb up. I think, if they had to bear hug to climb up, then it's a lot tougher for them to, to climb up there if they don't have a stick.
1: Yeah. I'm with you there. I'm with you there.
0: So um, talk to me a little bit about your process as far as putting them out on the, uh, on the public land. When when you do that. And then here in the summer, what kind of areas or setups are you putting these trail cameras on? Um, you go ahead and speak on that.
1: Yeah. So I think, I think we should, you know, probably put out there. I right? hunt, Ohio which is generally farm ground um and those are private pieces and then I also hunt Pennsylvania and I hunt pretty much all strictly public and PA and and PA is all big woods public land so I I go about it completely different in Ohio than what I would in Pennsylvania and when I made that switch from I'm I'm originally an Ohio type hunter um when I made that switch to Pennsylvania hunting big Woods. it was a whole new world for me and I I got schooled a lot and I still get schooled a lot. Um, you know, but as far as, you know, my, my approach or my tactics, um, if we're talking Pennsylvania, big woods, I, I tend to have a lot of luck with, uh, the early season, like, you know, if we're talking velvet or, or right when they're starting to get hard horned, um, A lot of times they'll have, you know, cut lanes, uh, access trails. Um, I seem to have a lot of luck, you know, catching those, those bucks that have that, you know, false sense of security because they're not being pressured. There's not people walking around as much. Um, and they're out eating on those access trails. Uh, I also, I really key on a lot of like fruit trees, um, this particular one I'm hunting, you know, out here now, um, there's pear trees on it. There's apple trees. And those seem to be the ticket. Those seem to be the money. Um, I'm going to start experimenting this year with, you know, more mock scrapes on the public land. Uh, I've yeah. had a lot, a lot, a lot of luck in Pennsylvania, especially, um, using mock scrapes. And I don't know for sure. You know, I, I, I know a lot of guys seem to always be interested in that rope scrape that I use. And, and that's honestly been my bread and butter, uh, for, for some of these bucks on these walls here, you know, that, that I've taken my wife's taken and and Jackson took that one right now. He was coming to check that rope scrape last year. Um, now, you know, I don't know if I'll use that rope scrape on public land because it does, you know, if you walk, that you look at, it, it's like, what is that? You know, um, um it, and it, like it a, just catches like a attention. Line um, so, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I said it's just—it's a rope. It's—it's it's yeah. a
2: corner.
1: Go ahead. Dan. And it's—you it. know, it, I'm talking like for people. Oh, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, yeah, I got you.
1: Okay, okay. So, yeah, I'm talking more in the sense of of people because I don't believe that deer mind that rope one bit. I've never had, you know, the heavily pressured buck. I, I hunt a private land here in Pennsylvania. That's, it's way more pressured than any public land. I promise you that. I, I know this because I've hunted every Pennsylvania is one of the highest pressured areas alone. And this particular piece of property, it has good bucks on it. Um, And, and the only way that I we've been, you know, lucky or, or, you know, good enough to kill them is because I hunt the people. Um, and, and when I hunt those people, um, man, I'm telling you, if you, if you get that mindset, it, it changes the game completely. And I, I do it on public as well, but, um, goodness. Anyways, I'm sorry. I, I lost well, where I was at. Well, you're but. Good.
0: I I got I got I want to back you up here. When you said you're putting these cams out on, on fruit trees, access trails on the public, are you putting the fruit trees? Sometimes they don't develop until either. Like I want to say August, September, um, into October. I know is, some of those apple trees tend to peak, you know, as well as into October. Are you putting trail cams out on the public? Oh, for summer inventory or now or, or July? Nope.
1: No. Um, because their summer, this is, this is my, my opinion okay, and I know there's going to be so many guys out there that oh, you're wrong, you don't know what you're talking about, and, and, and it's like it's a completely um opinion based thing that deer summer range are not their their fall range. Um, I'm not gonna tell you that if you have a buck in velvet, he's not gonna you know be there in the fall time because that's obviously not the case, it happens often, but um none of that information is really usable to me because they're not going to be feeding on those food sources, nor are they going to be traveling those trails. What's most important to me on those big public land pieces is, is basically, you know, knowing where those travel corridors are. I, I probably do more scouting footwork than, than trail cameras on the public land pieces that I hunt because <clears throat> I I feel like if I basically every let's put it this way, every trail camera picture that I've got on public land of uh, uh, buck and velvet, I've not had any of that information be usable usable to me other than that he's there. and in most cases, I find them way further away and it's like, holy cow, what's he doing over here? He was you know a quarter mile or half a mile or a mile away, you know, last I had a picture of him. so I think what what is more important on those big pieces of public is, you know, the actual boots on the ground. This is, this is my opinion again. Um, And and finding those travel corridors and those old scrapes and those rub, rub lines. And um, obviously the bedding areas, you know, that's, that, that I believe is better Intel any day of the week than having a buck on your trail camera um, in velvet. Now, if we're talking Ohio
0: on that, yeah, let's bounce to farm country. Let's hear what you're doing there.
1: Big difference um, now in Ohio, you can run minerals. So right now, I do. have minerals out, uh, and a large majority of those deer are going to be there. You know, in the fall. Mm-hmm. So this is smaller, smaller blocks of wood. Woods, I'm sorry. Um, you know, so less bedding, uh, less spread out. Um, it's the, the trails are more defined. Um, and it's, you know, I'm going to say a statement here and I hope that I don't upset anybody, but I've, I've hunted pretty extensively in, in big wood setting and I've hunted pretty extensively in farm country. And I believe, you know, when we get down to the nitty gritty of, of if you, if there was some kind of a scale, um, farm country gear, public land, big, big woods bucks, um, I believe that those farm country deer, once they get to that three and four year old status are harder to kill than a public land buck in big woods. And why that is, is because they are so in tune and so key with that small block of woods and they never put themselves in any sort of a position, rarely or less, I guess, than, than those bucks that are on the big public lands that are, they have to move to survive um these these i find that you know their range on on you know the wooded or i'm sorry the uh ag ground in ohio
2: mm-hmm.
1: it seems like their range is a lot smaller but um like i said i i i, I feel like they're, i've had a hard time um and i've been very lucky to to take some really good bucks on the farm country land you know but but your access is is I guess a lot harder on public land, uh, big woods style hunting. There's oftentimes there's, there's deer coming from every direction. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure that you see that in Ohio, in the land you hunt, um, you can say that, Hey, um, this is bedding area over here. Uh, there's another bedding over area over here and there's a ridge between them. But, you know, in that, you know, they might be coming from the bottom up or, or from it's, I feel like the, um, the movement on farm country is is it's just a different thing i guess and and i'm probably i'm probably rambling here now but
0: no no no, you're okay what um i guess like when do you see those deer um kind of just it's like from what you described it's almost like one of those years it just hits that deer like he knows it in and out he knows what wins what you know where to move how to move like he, he's just really dialed in do you feel it's its a three and a half year olds big woods to maybe a, a a four or five year old on on farm country when do you feel that that deer just becomes way more dialed because my counter is I have seen two and a half year olds on public in the big woods that are smarter a lot of two and a half year olds running around my my private family piece like you know
1: I'll agree with you so like I said, I'm going to, I'm probably going to contradict myself here. And, um, as far as younger deer go, um, I hunt with my wife a lot and I hunt with buddies and, and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, I have seen more deer wind, say my wife than on the public land. So like a year and a half old buck, or even, you know, a yearling, um, or a two-year-old deer, whatever. Um, more deer have winded her or or took off running because of her than than say a two-year-old or even some three-year-olds are pretty dumb on you know those private farmland country
0: yeah we've seen it just with does we've seen it even with does regardless you know sex or antler size we've seen yep some does get really stupid on 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 a private piece where like they caught movement or or we definitely think they're downwind and and like they stick around or something. And we're like, dude, like if we did that, Oh, just 20, 30 minutes down the road on a, on the piece of public, we hunt it's, it was way different.
1: Yeah, no, I'll agree with you in that sense. I guess, you know, I'm, I'm thinking specifically a property I've been hunting, you know, the mm-hmm. past four years now and it's where Stacy shot that giant last year. And um, that particular piece, man, um, the bucks, the way that they bed, is obviously always covered to back um with the the wind coming through the cover and they always have an opening on the you know which was generally field yeah. or in in that big bucks case he was looking over the backyard of uh one of the houses that are up towards the front of it and that deer he just he never put himself in harm's way um and i know you know, there's going to be, Oh, that's bull crap. He, he, he did, he screwed up. You just weren't there to capitalize. And, and that's true. Okay. But I believe that I can go hunt these big woods, Pennsylvania deer almost every single day of the week and move from, um, say one block of woods to the next block of woods and hunt a whole completely different deer. Um, when you're hunting, you know, a 60 or 40 or 10 acre piece of land, um, you, you got to really calculate your movements and how many times you go in there, because if you don't kill that one time that you go in there, it's more planning and more that trail camera Intel means so much. Um, Especially on these bigger deer, because, because if you do, you know, go in there and he don't, it does, you don't kill. um, You don't have anything else, you know, to go after. If you, if you made this deer aware that you're hunting him, the, the game has changed completely. Sure. And I don't believe that's the case, you know, as, as heavily on public land deer.
0: Yeah, I could see that. And I think, uh, oh, that's something I'm trying to become a little more okay with mentally, especially in the big woods, more nomadic environment. These deer move, uh, you know um, is, is for years I have always, or for the last couple of years, I've been so afraid to leave ground scent and not cover, areas because I'm like, oh I don't want to I don't want to mess it up. And and now I kind of am starting to think, you know, go ahead and go for a walk because the intel gained is, is so important. But I want to flip back here to the Trail Cam's farm country. Are you um dispersing them? I guess uh could you talk a little bit one are you are you utilizing like beans at all as far as hanging them in corners of bean fields? Uh talk to me. Do you run any of those like year over year scrapes that maybe are along some of those field edges? And then yeah. kind of a uh, trail cam per acre are you looking at both in farm and big woods?
1: Okay. So that, that last question is going to be a tough one to answer, but oh, I'll, I'll start with fair. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'll start with, um, it depends on what the farmer plants. If he has, if he has corn, then obviously, um, you know, Whoop! I got a call coming in.
0: Oh, I still got your audio. If you got to take it,
2: we can push pause.
0: I think I have lost Dan. I'm going to push pause and we will get him back in here. Folks, I appreciate you tuning in. I think this talk's going really well. Okay, we had a slight technical jump back in. Dan is here. So, Dan, I wanted to kind of follow up kind of on that last bullet point where we're talking uh, one trail cam per acre. Obviously, that depends and we're going to get to that. But you were discussing... Field edge setups, beans, you know, do you run them on some of these scrapes in the farm country? Are you setting up mock scrapes? Talk to me a little bit, summer inventory, how are you getting that in farm country?
1: Yeah, so as far as farm country goes, man, if it is beans, I'll I'll most certainly have them on the field edges, and I I believe that's probably your best place, that you're going to be finding them, and that's my opinion again, but, uh, you know, I will run Minerals because it's in Ohio. Um, I do run a lot of big time. um, Yeah. And, you know, I I believe I have a lot of the deer I do on, on my private, you know, farm country bucks because other neighbors are just running straight corn. And I know that corn is great and people mix molasses with it and stuff, but that big time mix is pretty, there's those bucks really do prefer that over corn. And that is, you know, Do you run the mineral uh, and the corn at the same location? Um, I'll generally like, so right now I'll have just minerals out. Right. And then in that same location, I will put the big time. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily hunt over those locations. Like it's not like, you know, I can't shoot the, uh, uh, big time pile or, or the mineral site or whatever, because, you know, I I've found that in doing that, those big, you can, you can shoot three-year-olds on those all day two and three year old bucks, um, or does or whatever. But, but when, when you're hunting the the four or five and six year old bucks, they're, they're generally, you know, I don't know if it was maybe in fault, might've been the one that I've, I've heard this about, but a J hook. Yep. Um, you know, and, and I, I honestly have never seen that personally, um, for bedding, but I have seen it. I can't tell you how many times, um, for a corn pile or a, uh uh you know a food source that is a man-made food source it's not supposed to be sitting there it's not you know some magic corn cloud dropping corn you know um and those bigger deer they do know that um so they do that j hook so in that i'm I'm often I'm sitting on the downwind side of it a good sometimes it's a hundred yards it just it all depends on where the bedding is in conjunction to that I try to set it up accordingly to you know be able to ambush that deer um, with with that in mind, and okay. it doesn't obviously nothing 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 works one hundred percent of the time, man. You know that as well as I do. Oh, sure. But I do believe it's putting yourself in a better position.
0: With uh your your trail cameras that you're running on beans, do you find uh, any certain oh area of the field to be better than other? Whether it be like something that maybe gets shaded earlier, or if it do they like corners more because there's like. I don't know, two edges. Do they like, uh, last year I did this accidentally. I threw a camera up on a bean field and without intention, there was like some overhanging branches and it was actually a scrape too. And so I was getting both the corner of the bean field and the scrape in the right hand side of the picture. And, you know, yeah. late August, I've got, you know, a handful of deers, including a shooter, you know, nose up in that scrape and kind of a double yeah. dip that I didn't mean to do. It, talk to me a little bit about, you know, setting cameras on bean fields.
1: Yeah. So, um, I almost always, I guess I, I haven't really put much thought into why, but it's almost always in a corner where I find, you know, the tracks and um, where they're coming out of. Uh, and, you know, I guess if I, I don't, I don't really hunt any field edges often, but um, I guess if I were to set up a stand or a camera, you know, that that, that would be where I'd want to be. Um, but I do get a lot of inventory off of those scrapes. Um, I, I, I'm telling you like, that's starting in August. I'll, I'll start putting all my rope scrapes out. Um, if they're not already out, like I actually, um, I have probably five or six out that I'm not taking down. This is my first year. I'm just leaving them up.
0: Um, Sturgis does the same thing and he, he make I don't know if you've watched his channel, but similar to how uh-huh. you got that, 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 uh, vertical rope or whatever, he has a vertical stick that, or vine that he uses, but it's very similar. I've been watching a lot of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think you know Sturgis's whole theory with it is that the rope is a um, foreign object, right? Now, I agree with him. I don't think anybody can, you know, debate that it is a foreign object opposed to a vine that's hanging in that vertical, you know, fashion. However, I don't think that anybody can debate that a rope will hold scent better than that vine so i think that um i wish i should have should have brought one in here to show everybody on the camera here but uh, one of the key parts to that rope and this was my own twist on it um i don't know if anybody else does this but i actually zip tie i zip tie a stick to it almost the whole length where i have that ball at the bottom of it I, I have a stick zip tied the whole way up the darn thing and it adds rigidity to that. So when they go up and they start nosing that thing, it's actually, it's holding resistance against their head. And I don't know if, you know, maybe it, they need that. I don't know, you know, if, if that's something they're, they're trying to wipe that, uh, uh, um, help me out here. What gland is the that, the that on there? Orbital gland. Preorbital. Um, I don't know if they're, they're, purposely wiping that off to, to, I don't know, maybe it bothers them. I, I don't really
0: know the whole science with it, honestly. And, but they, you know, do but, it, man. They,
1: Oh yeah. Goodness. They
0: certainly do. What we'll do Dan is we'll, uh, the video you sent me the other day, we'll add in the comments of this post on, on Facebook. Um, Perfect. you were talking about it so much and the video you shot shows the whole ses- system. Um, I I really like the video you sent me, and, and you and I talked. I think my follow up text was okay. In Ohio, I see a lot of scrapes on beech trees and oaks, and I was like, if I'm gonna set one of these out, and I'm actually gonna set one in the backyard to to kind of just be monitoring and, and check it out. And I've I, I've dabbled a little bit this year in some mock scrapes with some some synthetic products, and and then um oh I scout enough to know where some of these year over year scrapes are that I kind of zested up in in Perfect. the summer. Um, So I hopefully here in the next, Oh, uh, let's see here. It'll be August when I kind of start to be able to pull some of my cameras to know, Oh man, this, this mock scrape stuff is, is working really well. And, and obviously just build upon this year over year and be able to really hopefully either fine tune it, like it, or ditch whatever and say, Oh, I just want to run, you know, you know, mock scrapes like this because it's the most effective way for me.
1: Yeah, man. I, you know, I think, you probably have known I've, I've been doing this for, I think I'm on my fifth or sixth year doing oh, wow. these ropes. Right. And um, so I've, I've made a lot of failures. I've, I've made a lot of a good ones. Um, and there's, there's ones that, you know, now if I go back to them uh, say October 25th, and this is where historical trail camera data comes in tenfold. Um, I have specific ones that I know on this coming year, I'm going to be keying on October 25th. Why that is, is I don't know if it's a dose cycle comes in every single time, every single year, 365 days later than the last one, or, or what that is, or maybe that deer just has something in his uh, uh, brain calendar that's telling him, okay, this is when I need to be in this area. Well, if he's in that area and I'm on the downwind side of a a known bedding area, right? They're usually traveling that downwind edge of that bedding area might meet cover it might meet an open field um but if i give him a reason or something that uh uh, it's it's something for him to in his travel be checking um they they stop at those rope scrapes and and i know that if he's going from a to b say his bedding area trying to gather scent and maybe he's taking inventory of those does that are in there and putting it in his mental calendar that, hey, uh, Susie's coming into heat in four days. I got a lock on her. I know she's in that bedding area. That's where she lives. Um, And I'm going to hit this scrape. And I'm going to, that's my girl, you know. Um, 365 days later, almost down to the hour, a lot of times I will find that buck that was a three-year-old last year and I didn't really give two craps about. Comes back as a four-year-old grande that I'm after or a five-year-old even. And um, it's that historical data that I am, really keying on now so I, before um I was probably checking those cameras you know way way more than what I could or should be doing um but I didn't know any better now you know I'm going off of the historical data when I'm hunting
0: okay now let me ask this uh and, and I'll back you up here in a second about oh some late late summer getting ready for hunting season I got some trail cam questions that I want to ask you but Um, scrapes in general, uh, you know, the second half of October, that's, that, that seems to be the time. Um, do you mornings, evenings, or obviously it can vary buck to buck, but I guess what has your data or what have you killed? I guess, what have you seen visually? Talk to me, are you a a morning, evening scrape guy? And when do you really start keying in on those in the second half of October?
1: Yeah, so uh, you, you said it, um, it, it does vary from, from deer to deer, um, I believe it also varies in the block of woods, you know, and what what do you have that is available for you to be hunting um certain blocks of woods are great in the morning, certain blocks of woods are great in the evenings, um oh, yeah. certain blocks of woods just suck all altogether, <laughs> but um you know i I can't say that i I have a specific way of hunting them um when it comes down to whether it's mornings or evenings i I'm kind of you know and I know there's a lot of people that's, Oh, I'm a morning hunter. I'm a, a tree stand hunter. I'm a saddle hunter. I'm a, a I'm a bow hunter. I'm a, a rifle hunter. You know, I, the best way I can put it is I'm a hunter.
0: Yeah. Period. Would you hunter we, period. Yeah, would, would you say your trail cams show uh, any sort of favorability to mornings versus evenings? Cause I used to think the evening game kind of made sense just from a perspective the deer get up on their feet and they're going to be up on their feet for, for a little longer period. You know, they want to hit those scrapes and let those does know, but then maybe, I don't know that this year I watched, uh, Oh, I had a little more scrape type activity going on in the morning. and and, And in fact, I think the day before I killed, I saw a buck hit a scrape in the morning. And then the day I killed there was, you know, there was a bunch, there was two or three scrapes that had been kicked up in the snow. Um, yeah. Talk to me. What do your trail cams? What have they said to you over the last uh, five, ten years?
1: So if we're if we're talking like field edge um, or downwind side of cover um, into open hardwoods, um, those particular sets I, I seem to I would favor in the evenings. Um, if if we're talking something that is pretty much in the bedding area, um, I'm going to tell you the mornings seem to just be. You know, and, he, and a lot of times, um, I would say public land deer those mornings, um, on my mock Cause I just, I make mock scrapes on public already, yeah. but I just, I do it on tree limbs that are already hanging down. Um, and I'll put the preorbital on and I always scrape underneath the tree, you know, with a, a stick. And then I, one of my signature moves, man, before I walk away is I take a leak in it myself.
2: Yeah. Um, and
1: yeah. I, I, you know, there's guys who carry bottles. I used to do it
0: too um but bottles with them to pee you know and full full disclosure this year I uh so I've got a couple of synthetic mixes that that uh oh Troy Pottinger has got me recommended and and and, and it, it they, the the system has like a forehead spray and then it's got a couple different uh stuff that is like mock piss but I'll pee in it too while I'm there I mean I want him yeah. to you know I'm trying to get that right. thing going and I guess if you look at what Sturgis says, like, and, and I'm sure you've kind of seen it, once like the does and the deer in the area kind of start taking over the licking branch or, or the rope, um, yeah. it kind of does itself. You just kind of got to get it kick started, I guess, is the, the hope or thought, right?
1: Agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Once, once it's, once it's already established or, or, you know, these, these ones that I've had out, you know, since last year or, or historical historical ones um that have been there for multiple years um there's no need for any kind of pre on them um they they take care of it themselves and and right. yeah i i but when i do a brand new one um yeah. i do carry that uh it's smokies i think is the preorbital. it's a little like dripper yeah i think- i don't know that i don't know that one brand or the other is better than than the other i you know that's just what i was introduced to with it and,
0: it's yeah, worked. I think I've heard my buddy Justin talk about he's had decent luck using Smokies on scrapes and stuff. He's set up. Okay. Um, you know, he's a he's a white tail addiction guy. But like, I do think there's probably some difference from what I call that like that second tier market of of scents and and applications versus like the dead down winds of the world.
1: Yeah. Well, here's here's another thing I'll.
0: I'll tell you, I
1: I've experimented with and I'm probably gonna do it now on this new property that my wife and I just purchased. Is
0: that's the next podcast? I wanna get into the next podcast. I wanna see you, I wanna pick your brain on breaking this thing down and your goals and stuff like that. But for today, man,
1: it's exciting, dude. Yeah. Well, so what I've been experimenting with and and I'm probably gonna get into more this year is in that actual scrape that I've raked up, okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's the earth, the dirt, the the fresh dirt scent that the deer are really after. And, man, people are going to think I'm probably weird or stupid for this. But, you know, I put my nose down in it and smelled scrapes many times. And, and I'm curious. And, uh, you know, why that is, is because I want to know, like, you know, is there, have you ever bought active scrape from, uh, like, Golden something? No. Um, they, they sell it like, at Walmart. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Well, it smells a certain way. Right. And I, I guess I've, I've tried different manufacturers and stuff. Um, and I want to know like, you know, if, if the natural, like what really is just happening naturally out there in, in that scrape, does it smell like what, um, and I think they have like little beads and stuff you can yeah. put in there now and like all that other stuff. Um, and it, it doesn't smell like that. It smells like just, you ever had like outside the garage here, if I'm, Having a couple of adult beverages, i I step outside and I'll pee outside, you know, um, all the time it, dude. Yeah, okay, okay. so um you know, it has an ammonia smell to it, right? Yeah. Well, so I started using ammonia in distilled water, and when I started doing that. It started. Jump starting those the, the scrapes where they're actually pawing the ground up. Okay, not the licking branch above the scrape, but they're more aggressive when they come into that. Uh, and I don't know if it, maybe you know maybe if you just poured water in there, maybe it intensifies that that dirt smell or that fresh earth. I don't I don't know what it is. Um, but but I will tell you for certain the ones that I'm putting the ammonia and distilled water mixes in, and I started it out like when I was doing my experimenting with it, um, I started out with like a 30% ammonia to 70% distilled water. Then I'd bump it to like, say a 50, 50. And then I bumped it from 70% to 70% ammonia, 30% um, distilled water as I'm getting closer into season. I don't know, like this is just I don't know, man. I, I I try a million different things. I think you know that. Whether yeah. it's a tree stand that I buy, I'm I'm you know gonna try a million different things with it to make it better. And I I don't think anybody's ever gonna re reinvent the wheel, you know. And as with deer hunting, but um I I do I like to think that I try to find those upper edges, you know. And I yeah I haven't found anything yet that's too too great. But I will say one thing for sure is we kill more deer on these rope scrapes and scrapes in general in October than any other deer.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I'm,
1: I'm sorry.
0: No, dude, dude, I, and, and you're a guy that has done, oh, you've done enough hunting, you've knocked down some good bucks, you're, you're hunting public, private, you're you're a well-balanced guy and a guy willing to try stuff, you hunt mobile, you scout a crap ton. And, and so like, that's the kind of guy I'd rather listen to. Hey, I'm playing with mock scrapes and here I'm finding this ammonia type product to, kind of work better and, and 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 versus you know no offense to the facebook forums there's just too many guys on there that hunt like you know four weekends in october and scout three days from january to march and i i, I look at what you know you're doing and i like some of this like i'm gonna try this you know i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna experiment myself but to kind of bounce back here where we're coming up on an hour and i have two kind of oh touch points that i think would be good to wrap this thing up and and then you know, dude, I gotta have you on again. You're you're a buddy of mine, and I, I love talking shop with you. Um, yeah. Um, but going, let's look at uh, late summer, September ish. Uh, a lot of places open October one. We open here in Ohio the last weekend in September. What does your process look like pulling cards there late in the year? Um, and then talk to me a little bit about how you are effectively running these cams in the month uh, of October, um, if you will. Oh, I might have lost. Nope. Byron, you're breaking up, buddy. Oh, i sorry. Let's, let, you still let's, there? Yeah, yeah. I got a pretty strong connection. Let me try that again. So late, late, uh, late August, September, yep. what are you doing to uh, pull your cameras and establish your, your, your starting point for season? And then talk to me a little bit about October hits. How are you using cameras to in-season scout and get on deer to, to hunt? You know, Talk to me a little bit about that process in October once we get there.
1: Yeah, man. So um once again I, I'm gonna have to say, you know, it differs big time from Big Woods to, you know, the farm country that I hunt. But uh coming into season, um, you know, I'm using that inventory and, and that historical where they're at early season, kind of, you know, from from what I know from the year prior, um, to key on uh, those, those big, big woods bucks. Um, nice. See, now are
0: you, are you doing any sort of card pool in the big woods there late September, mid September?
1: Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I kind of, I skipped oh. over that. I apologize, but no,
0: no, no. That's um, what I'm here.
1: Yeah. And I do, I do a clean sweep of everything, man. And I, that can take me as much as a whole day. Sometimes it depends on how far the cameras are apart. Um, and how many I have to check, but, um, I'll do a clean sweep of everything. And I, it's, it's more I don't know that, you know, that's, that's probably not the right way to go about it, but it's more so that I, I just can't handle not knowing where the best buck is, which one I want to go after. Um, you know, so I, I will, I'll go and I'll do a clean sweep of all my cameras. Um, I'll see which bucks are daylighting or which one has the majority, most daylight bucks, you know, yeah, it's walking just um, high percentage. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, that will kind of, a lot oftentimes set up accordingly to that if the wind you know wind is is probably the most important factor with with when and where we're hunting um but if we're talking you know farm country man i I'll tell you, I believe fully that a cell phone camera is my best friend on that farm country because I know exactly what's going on when it's going on and and you know I can formulate the pattern as it's happening right there and then now um like I said, you know, you go in once you might not have deer for a couple weeks on that farm country. Um, so I'm sorry. So you have to, you know, really have calculated moves in my opinion in that farm country. Um, and the same, same thing goes for that public land stuff. Don't get me wrong, but, um, the big woods, if I screw up on one, man, I got, you know, usually five or six other bucks that I would kill, um you know located or at least know that they're in a certain area um that I can go get on and another thing is is i believe they move back into their bedding maybe that next day or the you know couple days after the fact of of maybe bumping them or or boogering them out of there or them catching your wind or something and um like i said i'm sure that varies from state to state uh woods to woods and and um but that's just that's what i've
0: i've found yeah do you think um Oh, something I'm trying to do this year for, for Big Woods, you, you mentioned this real quick, and the amount of time it takes to to check one trail camera that could be farther back in because uh, you got to walk there, uh, climb up, pull the camera. If you're setting the camera, that can take 10, 10, 15, you know, 10 minutes in itself to get the stick on the tree, angle it right, go up and down two, three times. Um, I, This is an experiment. Last year, dude, I want, I ran one of my... Trail cam's literally ten foot off a of forest road, and I had deer on it almost every day. Um, oh, had, really? Yeah, I didn't have any shooters. Um, okay. But uh, this year, I have set some of my summer inventory cameras, whether it's a it's a terrain feature or um, oh, there's maybe some cuts in the area that I'm like, yeah, this is a natural travel quarter. If he's on one of these points and going to these cuts, I can catch him but I've set myself up to not walk as far to grab some of these cameras. Cause like you said, it can take, you can burn some serious time going way back in. Um, but I got to think from your skill set and ability, like, I guess, if you catch a track, if you see some rubs, like that's, that's, you're, you're also visually, I feel like scouting you
2: when you're doing these.
1: Yeah, man, I'm an opportunistic hunter. Um, I don't care if it's, you know, if I'm in a tree stand and I see deer 60 yards away, I'm going after them. Um, if I'm on my way to a specific set or a specific camera and I got the stand on back and, you know, my bow with me um, and I see something that catches my eye, I, I don't have to get to where I'm going, where my mindset was at. Um, it doesn't, you know, and I'm, I'm okay with failure. I, I don't, if I if I do, um, and I'm always second guessing, myself
2: to you
1: know so, There are times i like say I drill camera um and this is in season now so before season obviously you know it's 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 going to be different but um say I find like you know a fresh scrape or um maybe just a trail that is just tore up with tracks and it's something I you know, hadn't found or didn't know even know about before because man, there's a lot of ground that I I have not walked. Um, you know, and I I purposely tried to go different routes, and um, it's because like I told you, I I funded the Allegheny National Forest for the past ten years, and I just started hunting Erie County solely um, this past year, so um, I'm I'm kind of talking more Erie County now, um, and. It's a lot lot more people in smaller blocks of of public. It's still, you know, a couple thousand acres sometimes or fifteen hundred acres, three thousand acres. But um there's there's all these people that are, you know, from all these different towns that are hunting one small spot rather than the Allegheny National Forest that is absolutely huge. And um so I think you asked me earlier about how often I'm checking those trail cameras and, and I got schooled this year, or I'm sorry, this last year. Um, I got schooled pretty, pretty bad, man. Um, on these public land deer out here in Erie. So, you know, I, I, I would say I probably checked that's if I had one downfall to me is, um, I know everybody says scout, scout, scout. I, I do, I scout, 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 and I check trail cameras, check trail cameras. You know, when I'm, I, I try to, you know, do make it a two week minimum. Um, but, but there's times where I'll go check those trail cameras and there will be a buck that is using it. Um, you know, say the past like three days and maybe I hunt it that night or, or, Whatever, um, maybe I go back in like two nights after, waiting for a cold front or whatever. That time, the next time that deer comes through, if he comes back through there, and this is I'm talking like a pattern, like a three day pattern or two day pattern where they're coming through, um, they're gone. And I believe that it like you you mentioned your foot track, um, man. I I'm telling you, I, I got schooled on them this year in Erie. If I did, if I would do that, you know, hunting the Big Woods up in Allegheny National Forest. Um it didn't seem to affect them. And I would check those cameras regularly so I wasn't missing, you know, something. And and I didn't see that that tendency or that pattern. Um, and I believe that the deer might be maybe it's just, you know, they're they're more in tune with with people because there's, you know, they're they're exposed to them a lot more in Erie County opposed to the Allegheny National Forest.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Um, I guess going into October you've you, you've kind of talked a little bit about how you're oh in September you're you're pulling all those bad boys you're trying to find you're stacking the odds in your favor this series's got three shooters and this guy this particular shooter is a little more daylight active um, painting a picture here October rolls around uh, are you moving these cameras to 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 certain locations or are you- I guess, talk to me a little bit about how you can use trail cams in season, um, whether it be gathering data for next year or real time, like trying to find a buck and then maybe getting on him early October and then kill him on the best scrapes in the area. I don't, I don't know. I'm just throwing scenarios out there, but talk to me a little bit about running trail cams in October.
1: Yeah, man. So, so starting pretty much right in October, Um, once season starts kicking in, you know, those, those public lands get hit pretty heavy, man. And I know you're, you're probably, you know, the same, same where you're at. Um, there's a lot of hunters that'll go out, um, but first week of season, it'll get hit really hard. And then, you know, there's less people. Um, so I will hunt those deer that first couple days in, in those areas where say I was getting them on trail camera. Um, Hitting food sources and and stuff of that sort now come I'm talking like even like the second day of season, third day of season yeah. here in pennsylvania um i I shift it completely to just bedding areas downwind side of bedding areas um and I'm trying to catch them coming from that bedding area to food um and and as far as trail cameras go, dude I'm like. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have it on is scrapes and and like later in October um I'm I'm starting to put it in some travel corridors too um so I do move them around some but I I I would say if I had one thing that I'm really keying on it, it would have to be those scrapes and you know if we move past that um you know we go through a heavy heavy gun season here um and those deer your only hope of, of even locating one, in my opinion, is, is in those very thick, nasty, um, clear cuts. And, and why that is, I believe is it's high stem count. Um, they have everything they need there for the most sort of, or for the most part, um, if they're eating that high stem count, Uh, uh, Bedding in that high stem count area They have plenty of food that they can eat There's water in every single bite of food that they're taking right? So they don't really have any reason to come out of that Bedding area Whatsoever So I don't I don't get any daylight For the most part Especially after rifle season It's it's like it's dead Um, The second that it turns nightfall Though you know it picks up on the hills on acorn or um something of that sort but yeah man that's and that's another reason why you know i'm kind of moving my broadhead selection to a fixed blade um heavier setup is because that time of year i'm going to be sitting in those little fingers that run out into those clear cuts and i I'm not going to not take a shot at a buck that's 20 yards away from me because there's a few little twigs or whatever in the way I'm giving them the gas. You know, I've, I've passed up too many opportunities and I, I hate to say this. I'm not, uh, and I'm going to get freaking heckled for this, but I am going to say it. (laughs) Um, my wife has a tracking dog. (laughs) She has a tracking dog now. And if that deer was hit vitally, that dog finds it. You know, um, there was a few instances last year. It was her first year, uh, Stacy's first year, and Remy's first year as well as a dog. Um, there was, I think, 27 track jobs they did. There was only two or three that they didn't find that was later found. Um, and that's pretty damn good in my opinion. For uh, I look at different stats of other guys and stuff. And in that, you know, the ones that weren't found were ones that weren't passed through and they were all three mechanical broadheads. So um, I, I believe that, you know, the data shows that pasture deer um, are, are most often found. And also those mechanicals that I believe are more, take out more, more, um, more surface area of the vitals too. But <clears throat> I believe that that pasture is far more important. If you hit that deer anywhere in its body, um, th- I'm talking in its chest cavity or even even back, and you have a pass through. Your your odds of finding that deer are are far better with a pass through than it is without a pass through with a tracking dog. So yeah, I've heard I don't that. Know same- how the heck you done on
0: that? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I I have heard that same stat when the T H uh, P guys did some sort of uh, blood tracker dogs. They said if if you mm. put two holes in the vitals, they, they tend to. They tend, or I think it was even two holes in general, which obviously with with fixed blades you tend to get two holes a lot more. But they found them like substantially more. Uh, Dan, just to wrap up here, any uh, what I guess twenty twenty goals, focus points for you besides your arrow stuff? Uh, as I don't know, just to give the people something that that you're you're kind of goal oriented or focus points for twenty twenty
2: for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man. So for, for 2020, um, I think I heard everything you said there, you broke up a little bit right in the middle, but I believe you're talking 2020 goals and, and I I think, you know, you and I have known each other a while now. Um, and you know this, but I I've been hunting specific deer, um, for the past four years. Um, and in that you learn a lot, right. But there's a lot of failure in it and it's, it, it is, it's hard on you. Um, and, and, you know, it makes it great when you actually do kill that buck you were after, you know. Um, but I wanna kill I have six tags to fill this year, buck tags. And that's two for me. It one one in Pennsylvania, one in Ohio. My wife has one in Pennsylvania, one in Ohio, and my boy has one in Ohio, one in Pennsylvania, right? And what's what's I want to do is I wanna fill all six of those tags on good like so all the bucks. Um, now obviously, you know, he's, he's, if there's a year and a half old buck walk by or whatever, he's, he's going to shoot it. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a little more family oriented and family goal oriented than I am there than I was, you know, say four years ago or, or, you know, a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, my thing is I, I never want the season to end, man. I genuinely, I mean that I want to hunt through, October I want to hunt through November December and even into January and February in Ohio you know like our season goes late and and I feel like the finality of punching that tag um there's been a lot of times I've shot great deer man you know great Pope and young bucks and then you know maybe a booner shows up on my trail camera and I'm like oh I don't even have a tag you know well the finality of of actually putting that tag on that deer it's it's sad to me man and it hurts it sucks um so that's, that's why I was, you know, doing what I was doing and, and really holding out for, you know, being very proud of what I'm putting my tag on. Cause there was a couple of years there. I put tags on deer that I was just like, man, I just, you know, I, I wish I would have waited, you know? And, uh, and they're all great deer. They're all great stories, but, um, going back to your original question, 2020 goals is to stop hunting unicorns and just start hunting deer again. And, and, not putting so much pressure on myself, man, to, you know, kill a giant or to, um, I, I'm, you know, I, I guess I kinda, I'm a people pleaser, man. And I want people, people's approval of the deer I shoot and that's wrong. That's not okay. It's, 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 I don't believe that's, that's not, you know, why we do this. It's, it should be what's in here. And, and, you know, I, I enjoy hunting period, man. Uh, I, I plan on this this year I'm going to really try my damnedest to you know enjoy the season a little bit more less pressure to kill giants and just kill something nice you know um and if I can do that in Ohio and Pennsylvania I'll be I'll be very it will be a very successful season
0: all right dude that's that's yeah I I, I like how you wrap that up and I think that's a Oh, that's a good stopping point for this conversation. I think we got a couple rabbit holes that we should dive into next time we have you on and how you're going to attack that new piece. And, uh, yeah. Oh, we'll, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll get the, uh, when this goes out, we'll get the comments uh, in the comments on Facebook. We're going to put that, the, the rope scrape video you sent, because it gives a, a visual to, to, to what we talked about today. Um, real quick, Dan, where can people find you? And then we'll jump off here.
1: Um, they can find me personally on, on Instagram, Facebook. They can find time is this show that I, I kind of run through. Um, you can find us on carbon TV. You can find us on YouTube. Um, and we do a lot with our social as well. So that's, that's our, that's our platforms, brother.
0: Yeah, and then uh, if you guys like what you heard today, I think Dan did a really good pot- podcast with uh, the Whitetail Legacy guys. Oh, it's been a while, but if you go back through their feed, another really good podcast that I like. Dan, thanks again for coming on. I'm going to go ahead and stop recording, and we'll be BS for a sec.